0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. We're uh, uh, often glad that we've got the amazing and beautiful Queens of the round Table, uh coming up in just a couple of minutes. We also, I've got a little bit of things to uh, clean up from the last hour. And we, it's
1: guy talk. Things tend to be a bit of a guy mess talk. talking be
0: messy. You know, you've got the <laughs> chips and salsa, and That's then you've true. got sometimes uh, things that, uh, that that don't get completely uh, discussed uh, and put in its place. I don't know. Is Peter still around? Peter Kaptner. Yeah. Well, we just want to. Uh, we want to make, make it completely clear that we want to defend uh, the biblical worldview, especially to uh, our listeners and to our students. And it's something that we uh, and I believe completely that the the how important it is to have a biblical understanding and a biblical worldview, especially for our students here at the University of Northwestern.
1: Right. And not to put words in any guy's mouth, but I think the the difference might be in the terminology between Christian worldview and how that's interpreted versus a biblical worldview, because people who equally claim the name of Christ might see differing uh, opinions or might read different applications of Scripture. And yet that should be the source of all of our authority is to go back to that Scripture, where if you and I disagree with one another, as sometimes happens, then what we should both do is go to Scripture and allow that to inform our worldview rather than trying to find different Verses that support our pre-existing positions. We should go with open minds to our open Bibles and say, all right, this is going to inform my worldview. This is God's word over my life. I'm going to submit myself, my opinions, my preconceptions to underneath the, the word of God. And then that is going to refresh and transform my mind. So I guess when I say biblical worldview, that's what I mean as opposed to other you know, a collection of, of policies or opinions that might be termed Christian worldview. Maybe people see it differently, but hopefully we can all come together around the word of God and see what God has to say. And then that informs the way we think about everything. It illuminates the way we think.
0: Yeah. And uh, Rebecca, I think you said that beautifully. And I am Thanks. just,
1: I'm just warming up.
0: You really Awesome. <laughs> well, you got more, if you not got for, more, bring not, it on.
1: Not for a while though.
0: No, but I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful because we are, uh, all about studying God's Word, knowing God's Word, and applying it in our lives and in our everyday lives and how it shapes our worldview. I know when uh, Dr. Greg Borgon comes on, he says that your beliefs uh, in, uh, create your values and your values then inform inform your worldview and your worldview then dictates your behavior. Mm. So what we believe is very important because that forms your values and then your values become your worldview and your worldview dictates your behavior
1: exactly and i think we get confused as individuals and as cultures when we get that out of whack we get it out of order and we try to make god or the bible fit into what we want it to be rather than saying all right there's a creator god he's over all and so i'm going to submit to his will and his plan for me it's got to be in that order and not get all mixed up
0: Mm -hmm. so that's uh Hopefully, that is um, just clearing that up and letting people know that we are all about defending um, God's word and using God's word for uh, teaching a a biblical worldview to our our listeners and our students. It's something we're very committed to. All right, we're going to take a little break and then bring on the ladies. Fall Share begins Tuesday, September 10th, here on Faith Radio. I'm Station Manager Neil Stavem, inviting you to join us for these special days of broadcasting and fundraising. Your support is needed to keep this ministry going strong. And it means lives changed, families strengthened, and communities impacted as the gospel goes out. Pray about your part and plan to join us starting September 10th for Fall Share. Or you can make your gift now online at MyFaithRadio.com.
2: We've recently expanded Faith Radio's reach by now broadcasting in FM in all our markets. More and more people are growing in their faith by hearing our programming in a clear, strong FM signal. Thanks for your ongoing financial and prayer support that makes this expansion possible. Visit MyFaithRadio.com to see the FM frequencies
3: for each city in our network. Then set your station preset button to Faith
2: Radio and enjoy in FM.
0: Welcome back to the show. I'm awfully the glad to uh, have the ladies in the studio. I just got one more little piece of of uh, thing to add to our discussion because uh, Peter capsner uh, K- Doctor Capsner, you were in on this last discussion, and I just wanted to make sure that we were absolutely crystal clear, uh, laying out our position about uh, you know our, our biblical worldview, um, and and letting the students and. Uh, our listeners know that we are we are teaching that and defending that here at the University of Northwestern and here at Faith Radio. And Peter? Are you there? He said he's there. He said he's ready. So anyway, I guess he's not on. Anyway, thanks for uh thanks for being ready, Peter, <laughs> even though you're not there. That's I love live radio. So much fun at times. All right, Peter we're going to just take that as a big no.
4: All right, let's I'm uh, here. Are Oh, you there. Here? There you are. Thank you. Oh, there I am. Well, yeah. This is fun. <laughs> did you hear any of what I said? <laughs> I did I heard I heard something about being real crystal crystal clear about biblical worldview and at Northwestern Faith Radio? Was there was there a, a no, comment that was, to that? No, that that was you...
0: it. I just thought you would have another wise word for the discussion.
4: <laughs> I don't know. You know, here's what I'll say about that is um in in terms of being involved in Christian academia, and more um, people are teaching about the faith and in different institutions. You, you sort of come across other Christian institutions from time to time around the country and what their positions are on certain topics and certain ideas, whether it be the inspiration and authority of Scripture might be one of them. Uh, it might be what we think about sexu- sexuality and gender. And and the reason why I am at Northwestern at at the level that I am and just took a new faculty position here at the university and, and participate in Faith Radio like this is because of the, the institution's position on those topics, like the authority and the inspiration of Scripture. There has been no doubt and no compromise and not even a hint of it to say that we are going to keep following God's Word to the best that we can understand it. Uh, we'll, we'll yield our lives to it for sure. And uh, and I wouldn't want to teach anywhere else that, that was saying anything different. And believe it or not, I've studied in schools and, and even taught in some schools where, um, and especially overseas at a certain time, where the entire religion department would look at the Bible more like a historical document that's interesting, but not anything to give your life to in, uh, in terms mm-hmm. of authority. And I don't, I don't share that view in the least. And same with Faith Radio. And when it comes to matters of sexuality, I, I teach that class, as we've often referen- referenced on the show. And there's, there's absolutely no doubt in that class that we uphold that the biblical standard of marriage is male and female, and that's without compromise or without doubt. Now, I absolutely hope that we approach all the rest of the topics through the lens of compassion and understanding and, and with an awareness that people are really confused in all of this. But part of the job of the course is to address some of the confusion and uh, and, and try to walk through it in, in a way that is hopeful for everybody that doesn't cast somebody out of the journey and, uh, and yet it continues to invite them to say there is truth in this and it may not be the easiest thing to walk towards, but let's keep doing it together. So on those two topics, those would be examples, but, um, it, it is especially why I'm at Northwestern and, and participating in faith radio because of that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Peter, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to stay on the line and join us for uh, that little um, discussion. I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's so fun to be with you, Bill. Love it. Thanks. All right.
0: We're going to take a little break and then we'll uh, get the ladies on. Thanks for uh, listening and thanks uh, to all my guests. And thanks for um, Dr. Peter Kapsner and George and Pastor Tom Brock. It was a great hour. the show, awfully glad to be joined in studio by the beautiful and amazing queens of the Roundtable. And uh, Rosie, you always do such a nice job of helping organize the crew and getting things going. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate your input and your help. So please uh, introduce our guests.
2: Well, I would love to. This is Mary Brown, and she has um, been on the show before. She works with Minnesota Teen Challenge, as well as her co-worker, Jen, also works at Minnesota Teen Challenge, and they're both in marketing and they both are great fans of Faith Radio and the show and walk with the Lord closely. So it's just so fun to be able to discuss issues that are mm-hmm. pertinent to our day today, as well as to women. And also, I understand a lot of men listening to the show learning about us women. So <laughs> that's
5: really fun.
0: Yes, they do. And so, Jen, Mary, welcome. And you, maybe you. you, one of you would like to share what the three of you ladies have in common.
5: Well, We have a lot of things in common. Um, all three of us used to work in the secular world at for-profit jobs before we switched to nonprofit world and worked in Christian ministries. That's one thing. Uh, we all have experience with addiction um, in our families or friends or, you know, just in our lives. We're all married. Um, we're, we're all, all working friends. moms. We're all working moms. Yeah, we all love the Lord.
0: That's beautiful. And, uh, Rosie, you... Uh, are in back from a little bit of a health thing.
2: I am. So, I had yeah, I had double pneumonia uh, so we missed
0: Yeah. our we did um, miss, we
2: did miss a, a week ago or 10 days ago or something. He's yeah. at the round table. But when yeah. you
0: hear the words double pneumonia, you think that's kind of serious. Mm-hmm. And the bounce back's not going to be as fast as it was for you, but you've got a lot of people praying. I did. And I think that's part of it, isn't it?
2: I not only had a lot of people praying, so for me and uh my walk with the Lord sometimes as a very independent woman as growing up in our society today we think we have to do it all ourselves but the lord taught me through my husband's journey with lung cancer that we must open ourselves up to ask other people for prayer so as soon as i was diagnosed i was asking everybody Mm -hmm. i know please pray for me please pray for me and i was healed within seven days love the lord for antibiotics as well but double pneumonia to nothing it's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Amazing. I just am very thankful for all the people who are praying, as well as for my Lord teaching me to ask. Indeed.
0: Mm-hmm. Now having three uh, or four, and of course Rebecca, you're in this. You're in this thing, too, just so you know. Thanks for noticing, Bill.
5: Well, I did. (laughs) It's so lovely (laughs) to have Rebecca back. It's good to see you, Yeah, that's a whole other show, just so you know. Rebecca being
0: back is a whole other show. But I want to talk about uh, some gender myths today, and maybe we can break these down a little bit. So with you ladies here in studio, you can speak um, on behalf of women, and I'll ask some questions, and maybe we can figure out um, where men and women stand on questions like this. Um, are, who's more romantic, men or women?
2: Mm. Who wants to go with that one yeah. first? Should I lead it? Yeah. Okay. You, so go? <laughs> I love this question because I have two boys that are 19 and 22, and they're trying to figure it out. As well as my hu- husband has always been very demonstrative romantically, um, especially while we were dating. He still opens my doors. He still asks how I'm feeling. I still receive sweet notes. And so this was a huge debate at my house, with my, especially my 22 year old um, son, because he was saying he thinks men were more romantic. And I had to look at how Gary and I demonstrate love. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh. I think think you might be right, because the way I might show romance is making sure the house is clean, his favorite meal might be cooked, um, but when it actually comes to planning romance,
5: well, I think it's scary I think in my life it's funny that you said that because i when I, the reason I was just baffled and at a loss for world words, which is very uncharacteristic, is the first thing I thought of is well what's the definition of romance because uh, my definition of romance today is very different than it was when <laughs> i' you know twenty right. thirty years ago and and now um, I think, you know, for me, romance is, is any, um, it, it, there's there's like an emotional intimacy and there's also just a kindness. And, and so I do that a lot. My husband does that a lot. Um, and I don't think it's really a gender thing, um, but that's that's my experience. When I look at my son and his fiance, um, she's, you know, doing all kinds of special things for him and, and I know he doesn't reciprocate. So I, I keep wishing that he would just, you know, step it up a notch or two. But but it's a different, uh, my definition's different. So I don't know. How about you, Jen?
3: Yeah, I think it more um, lays in the personality, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's really gender, but it's what you, what's your language of love? And I would go with Rosie on me being romantic is making the dinner he likes or um, making sure things are clean or, you know, whatever that is. It's
1: service, acts of service more mm-hmm. than anything, but... I like. Well, I happen to marry a guy who's very interested in doing the, um, he's he's very romantic by nature, although he probably wouldn't call himself that. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say maybe guys don't own that title. They'd rather <laughs> think of themselves in other ways, mm-hmm. uh, because maybe because of the stereotype. But with a couple of years under our belt, um, my husband has been great about surprises. He loves surprises. I'm not I don't typically do that type of thing. It's it's kind of hard to surprise him in return. So I have to find other ways of being um, surprising toward mm-hmm. him that, that will um, fill what he's looking for as well. So I think sometimes it's just judging what a person needs, how they best feel loved and cared for, and taking even that act of consideration and saying, well, I noticed that this person likes to give gifts, but they don't seem to be filled up in the same way by receiving gifts. Maybe they'd rather have some time time to themselves to do something they really like. And I can volunteer to babysit while you have time with your friends or something like that. I think that can be in a different way romantic because it's showing the love and care that you have for them to be very individual and specific about how you want them to feel your love.
5: And it's very active. What you just described is a romance is an act. It's very intentional. It's mm-hmm. very thoughtful. And I love that definition of it as well. It's not It's not just a card or flowers or or something simplistic like that. It's much more engaging.
1: But if you're looking for a way to engage your lady, then that's not a bad (laughs) place to start. Right. Cards, (laughs) flowers, chocolate. Start with those good foundational basics and then build from
2: there. If you just want to start, start simply. But don't you think, too, that as in a relationship, I feel like I've always been able to tell When the act was just being done for the sake of the act and that always falls flat. You can bring me a diamond ring, but if it's just because you feel like you're supposed to forget it, it doesn't feel good where I would rather much have it like a cigar band, you know, or Mm -hmm. something because it, reminded you of me or something. Not that I smoke cigars. I'm not saying that. But as an example... <laughs> we learn so much about I each know. other. <laughs> right? Um, so as an example, though, it's it's not the quality of or the quantity of the romance. It's the quality of it. It needs to hit home. That's romantic, too. All
0: right, ladies. Do traditional uh, roles work today? I mean, what, I mean, what does the Bible say about that?
2: Okay, so Bill... Explain traditional roles. Like, are you thinking women well, staying home?
0: I'm, I'm thinking um, of, that's a good question. You right? know, sometimes I, I don't, I ask questions as long as there's no follow-up questions.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I might not ever be back. But, this might be my last time no, but it's and the round table.
0: I, I certainly uh, personally grew up where dad went to work and, and mom worked part-time, but pretty much her job was staying home and taking care of the kids. Mm -hmm. And now those roles probably are not the same today, although the need is the same. Mm -hmm. Kids need to be taken care of. and Mm -hmm. um, So maybe that's what I'm thinking of traditional roles.
2: I think the economy has really thrown a wrench in that. I think Mm -hmm. there are so many people, whether they be, first of all, if we can even discuss staying home, could be both a male or a female role, depending on um, the capacity of the breadwinner, who's you know who's bringing the most income to the table or the most need to the table, so that somebody can stay home. I think that has to be addressed. But also, um, there are so many. I have so many friends who would love to stay home, but the economy right. hasn't allowed that, and so they are so thankful for women who have um, home daycares because those women are home, but they're working. Right, they're working with our own children, and
5: so it's. It, I don't think it's as clean of a question as it used to be, Bill. Mm, to I, be very I would honest. agree. No, I think too. And and God's given us each our own giftings and our own yearnings, and and He's planted those in us um, from the time that He first knew us. And so for us to be able to um, go out and explore and experience those things, and um, you know, keep God at the center of our lives. Um, but do what, what brings glory to him and helps our family and our friends and our community. I mean, that's just a huge, huge blessing. And so I, I think gender roles, um, it, it's just a really complex, um, sticky issue for sure. And I think everybody's built differently, but God gave it all to us. So I think it's all biblical.
0: Mm-hmm. We're talking about um, gender myths. Sometimes if we talk about them, they, they don't seem quite as scary. Now, men in general, they, they, they don't always know how they feel, Sometimes they have to think real hard how they feel. Women, are you guys the same way, or do you guys always know how you feel?
3: <laughs> I would disagree with that. My husband always knows how he feels. Okay. He's a he's very introspective. He's a major thinker. He always knows how he feels. So i i would I would tend to disagree with that. I think okay. I don't know that I always know how I feel. Um, but he definitely does.
5: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I hang around with people who much prefer to talk about logic at home than their feelings, and mm-hmm. and it's not taboo. But um, it kind of and more comes out for me like uh, seeing him watch the Hallmark Channel. Like that is if it's if we're not watching uh, financial news or something, he watches the Hallmark Channel and he loves the little puppies and he loves all the romance and all that stuff in there. And and that is actually funny to me because um, that's how we get talking about feelings sometimes. And I know that's kind of a silly segue, but that's really how it happens.
1: (laughs) I think guys may not identify themselves with their feelings as strongly because there's the preconception that that there is this masculine-feminine divide, that that has to be, that it's almost hardwired. And it's, it's not true. I mean, if we look at the image of the ultimate man, which is Jesus Christ... We often see him in responding emotionally, but never illogically. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything that he did made sense and was within the Father's will. That's why he was here on earth. Mm -hmm. And yet many times that included a display of emotion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say there are guys that are comfortable expressing anger or dissatisfaction. Anger is an emotion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Being frustrated is an emotion. But it's also understanding Um, maybe it's just the the perception of emotion going with weakness or not being as strong or being as in control. And if we're able to depend on a God who placed the ability for those emotions to be in us, it does in that way enact his nature in the same way that Christ did when he was on earth. So I think just reconciling ourselves with the fact that, hey, we're human. It's not Mm -hmm. about being manly or, you know, being feminine enough or all all of those things. It's we are to find our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. So look at the way he handled those situations and say, all right, well, this kind of makes sense that this is part of who God created me to be. And if we're walking in step with Christ, we'll become more and more like him. And that includes feeling, I think, maybe just not being trapped in our own feelings, being Mm -hmm. able to identify that, but not being trapped or held back by that to allow that emotion to propel us to
2: feel for others. And well, to serve others. And to break down the boundary. Because mm. I, I live in an all-male house, and I've often said my the men in my home are strong and silent. They are not. You know, mm-hmm. that they, they very much know how they're feeling, and they are comfortable enough in their manhood to be able to say, that hurt my feelings. I'm, you know, uh, I'm angry. Um, and so I, I love that example of Jesus because I think that is a perfect way for them to be able to be accountable. We'll
0: take own. a little mm-hmm. break. That's Thank awesome. you, Rosie and Rebecca. We'll take a little break and be right back. If you have a question for the ladies to tackle 877-933-2484. We'll be right back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to have the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Round Table. I've got uh, Rosie, Mary, Jen, and Rebecca. So I've got lots of talent Mm -hmm. and lots of uh, great um, wisdom in the studio. So if you have any questions or issues you'd like us to address or tackle, let us know. We're talking about gender myths and trying to break some of those down because men and women are, of course, very different. Uh, But maybe if we get some insight from the ladies, that will help all of us. So let me address this issue, ladies, when we talk about handling conflict, I know men and women can be quite different on the ways that they handle conflict. What do you say about your side of the story, hmm. your side of the of the street handling conflict?
2: Uh, such a great question, Bill. I, I feel like handling conflict is a continuum of emotions. It depends on what the conflict is, who you're um, in conflict with, how sensitive the issue is. I would say that most of the time, women will tend to be indirect, where men might be more direct, um, at least of my experience with dealing with most of my girlfriends. Um, though I I don't have any statistical knowledge, but I would say I feel like women are changing in their response, where as we've grown in our identity with the Lord, that we are becoming more, uh, less fearful of conflict and more willing to go to the table with exactly how we feel, which I don't think has always been the issue. I think that's changed with roles Mm. and we were talking about traditional roles. I think that's been changing. I don't know, ladies, what do you think? Mm.
5: You know, um, it's impossible to be in relationships with people, be working with people, um, have any type of relationships with people and, and spend much time there without having conflict. And so I think the more time that we spend with people, the more comfortable we need to become with dealing with conflict. So any one of us, each of us, is always best when we have access to our brain and to our heart. And so we need our head and our heart both engaged. And so for myself, I know that um, if I don't have access to my head and I'm all in my heart, I must be really involved somehow. And it's, it's tripping something inside me where I'm acting really emotionally. That's not typical for me and it's not where I like to talk too much with people because um, I don't like that part of me and so I kind of know when I'm becoming there um, at work situations um, you know I'm way more logical even killed but I'm less personally um, maybe threatened I and so it there's a different level of vulnerability there and so I, I like what you said Rosie about there being a continuum Uh, But I I don't think it's uh, really male or female. I I think we tend to also attract people who are like us and and kind of surround ourselves with people like that. But I I really believe we're all at our best when we've got our head and our heart and we're able to just connect um, kind of on a human level and talk through things. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So if you're mad at us and... And then we're sorry and we bring you a gift. Does that help?
3: So that's really funny. I just saw a meme the other day that said, what is the best I'm sorry gift? Yeah. And the answer is changed behavior.
0: Ooh, wow. Well, I'm afraid that's not going to happen.
3: <laughs> so that's what I I'd want. I'd rather get some roses. Yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> but it, it took a recognition of um, I can do better. I think is always good, no matter what it is, right? If it's a sorry or a gift or whatever.
2: I think so. I think if it's coming in the right heart, kind of like um, romance, if it's coming with, gosh, I've really screwed up. I know I've given Gary gifts, you know, or come to the table with, you know, my tail between my legs going, I really screwed up. I'm really sorry. That feels different than I'm just going to pacify you with this gift. I'm not really sorry. The behavior's not changing. And I just need to make mommy happy or, you know, (laughs) Whatever. What's that saying, Bill? That you say if the if mom's happy, everybody's happy.
0: Well, that's a myth, I think. Yeah, I know. think it is a <laughs> myth. Yeah, I, no, I've always I've always said that's a myth.
2: Yeah. So, but the, it's if it's coming if the gift is coming to satisfy that myth, then it doesn't feel good, and I don't want it, you know. But if it's coming out of change behavior and accountability, oh, then it doesn't matter. It can be a piece of chewing gum, or it could be one rose, or. Twelve. It doesn't matter really. Mm-hmm. I think that takes a lot of humility, though.
1: And Bill, we've talked about the fifty percent rule in relationships. It, that's Glenn Pickering, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. I quote him sometimes. I hope he's okay with that because I haven't paid him for any <laughs> of his stuff. But uh, his his idea is in conflict. Um, you have a 50% and the other party has 50%. And so you have to own your contribution to the conflict. And that, I would rather not do that <laughs> in full confession. I would rather have the other person be 100% wrong because of course I'm 100% right. And it never seems to work out that way if I have my eyes open. So to take to take a step back and say, yeah, I'm really upset about the way that you handled this or that you treated me or, you know, I thought this was going to go so much differently. Why did you mess up my perfect plan? <laughs> then I have to own my my 50%, maybe I was unreasonable. Maybe my reaction was uncalled for. Maybe I should have been forgiving instead of resentful or bitter about something. And that can be hard for for me to admit, you know what, i really rather not come forward with an apology first, but maybe that's the best way to move through this conflict is to open up by saying, yeah, I have a part in this. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where this turned into confession stuff.
2: (laughs) I like it though. It's good. I don't know. I feel like we could go right to expectations too, because don't you think so much of our conflict comes from expectations? Sure. And misunderstandings of what it's supposed to look like.
1: I don't think there would be such a thing as disappointment if we didn't have expectations. Right. So it kind of sets you up for disappointment because you don't have control of the way the world is going to go. Um, and sometimes it most definitely will not be the way that you want it, especially when
2: other people are involved. That could be the biggest myth. We do not have control. Amen. Right?
0: Talk <laughs> more about expectations. I think there's that great C.S. Lewis line about if before you enter a room, you're told it's a honeymoon suite, and you open up the door and you go, huh, this mm-hmm. is kind of a dump. But if before going into that same room, you're told it's a prison cell, you'd go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is nice. Yeah. 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 So it's the whole expectations thing, and how much of that gets us in trouble Mm -hmm. because it's just not realistic.
2: Right. Well, and I think when we have expectations, at least I know in my own life, when I've had expectations, it's because I'm not willing to also accept the process. Jesus loves us in his mercy, and there's a process as he's transforming us. And so when I have expectations, I find that. I get hurt by them because I have the end goal in mind and I'm not willing to entertain the process to get there. So I might have like, well, we should all be acting like this in our family, but we haven't taught the right tools. We haven't listened. We haven't conceded a battle or two for the sake of love. You know, there's all these different things that have to happen Mm 1st uh, and I just have the end goal in mind and then I get tripped up for well, sure.
5: The other thing about expectations is that you have to share them. Uh, and and yeah. I know a mistake that I have made and I make probably every day is to have expectations and then um, assume that people know what my expectations are. We talked about romance earlier. I mean, that's the, you know, having, you know, knowing the weekends coming and having a date night expectation when I find out the bears are on or something like that. And <laughs> And my date night is just, you know been blown away so there's there's um funny things about you know there, there's a lot of conflict in their expectations but also my responsibility and in, in talking through things and being vulnerable enough to say things out loud because we come back to that vulnerability
0: mm-hmm. word that's hard i got some bad news for you the Bears are on tonight. I know, I know. <laughs> the Bears I know,
5: the season Packers. opener, don't I know it.
1: So, <laughs> the Twins
2: have been gone almost every night this whole summer.
1: So, in my family, the expectation is I pick up pizza on the way home for opening night of NFL, which, for the record, until last night, I didn't realize that today was the opener. But, uh yeah, when my husband said that, I'm like, okay, that means I pick be- Bring pizza and the pizza's for dinner on the way home. That's an expectation. I'm perfectly happy with that. That's a beautiful thing. Just so you (laughs) know, that's a beautiful thing. Hey, I don't have to cook. That is a beautiful thing. All right,
0: right, so when you hear never go to bed angry, does that mean that the conflict should be settled before you go to sleep or that your heart should be settled and you should not have an angry heart when you go to bed?
2: Oh, I think the latter. That it's, it, you know there is no way that people get to the same point of resolution, especially at 10 o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, because your energy's down. Your and energy's else.
2: not down, but you can. Um, I have a sister who uh, has five boys, and she and her husband would literally if a fight you know broke out right at that time, she would say they would say to each other, "I love you and you love me. let's know that and we'll talk about this at this time." and then they're able to kiss each other and go to sleep because the, it's been established that they're not going to be mad at each other, but they also, it's 10 o'clock, and it's going to go nowhere good mm-hmm. if
5: you both have to get up at 5 a.m., or you're just not ready to talk about it yet. Right, Right. and have you tried, to, to to fake it through that? Like I have, and and just kind of gone, okay, I'm angry, but I'm going to go to sleep, and we're going to get up in the mor- morning, and you can't sleep. It's, right. it's just, I mean, I think it's... Uh, you know, evil actually trying to creep in, you know, to my marriage and to my relationships and trying to create division where there doesn't need to be. And so it's, a, I have a much more peaceful heart and i and able to, um, you know, love my husband through conflict if I just um, kind of get to a point of peace before I try to sleep. I'm not going to sleep anyway. I'm I'm going to wake up and be angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
0: Okay, a couple of listeners have jumped in. Uh, Unrealistic expectations from media and TV and movies, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And then another, um, someone else said, expectations are the seeds of resentment. So maybe we need to continue uh, discussing expectations just a little bit.
3: Well, even social media, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, our kids and us, I mean, we look at social media and people put the best versions of themselves out there. And then all of a sudden you have all the ex- expectations of, oh, that's what my date night should look like or, oh, that's what I should be wearing or, you know, all these expectations that are absolutely ridiculous. And most of the time they're not even true. So I think you just have to um, look at yourself and look at what you're doing and what, you know, again, you know, you look at your your husband or your partner and say, okay, what works for us? What What are those expectations for us? And like Mary said, talk, talk about it.
2: I think expectations, in order to not have them or talk through them, you know, you have to be accountable. Where is this expectation coming from? What am I missing? What am I longing for that's not realistic, like in social media? Or I'm sorry, Hallmark, you know, um, <laughs> what what is amiss in my life? Where is God not my center? Because that's usually it, you know, it's usually our connection with the Lord first that's lacking, that will have an expectation put on humans, mm-hmm. you know, um, because we're not connecting to in that level that we should be with our Lord first. So to me, when I, when he's, uh, helped me through expectations, it's really, it has been an issue of accountability for mm-hmm. myself personally. I like,
1: Yeah, and I think when we focus more on, at least for me, Um, because I've noticed that I get disappointed and I think, well, why? Why am I not enjoying this experience or not enjoying what's happening in the present moment? And it's because it's different than I thought it was going to be or supposed to be. Or I feel like I let someone down because I didn't live up to the expectations I thought they had of me. Mm -hmm. So cultivating that awareness that the only expectations that should matter are what God has of me. And if he says I am his child. Dearly loved by him, and I don't think anybody else's opinion really matters. He's not going to go around and consult other people about what they think of me and adjust his opinion accordingly. He knows me in my inmost parts before I was even born, and he's the one whose the the one whose opinion should matter. Now, also on that list, I want my husband to think well of me. I want my coworkers, even Bill, to think well of <laughs> me. The, it's because hopefully, if I'm in line with what God wants from me, then that intention will shine through. So what I've been trying to do, and this is a work in progress for me, is to adjust that that if I sense the disappointment coming through or feeling like I've let somebody down in those expectations, I've been trying to combat it with gratitude. And I'm not sure I always saw those two things as opposites, but I think um, that that being thankful, it's been called the chief of virtues, um, that, that I think that was Chesterton, although I can't be sure. Um, sorry about that. But I think combating that idea of not enoughness with look at all that God has given me and the goodness of God as revealed in others in my life in the blessings that he provides. So I'm, I'm trying that and just see, you know, where, where that takes me. That's part of my experience. So you can
2: hold me accountable for that, Rosie. Well, and well, I'm okay, but if you hold me accountable. But, and Paul talks about that. It's really what you're saying is contentment.
6: Mm,
1: yeah, I am content in go. all That's things.
2: I am grateful in all things. I am trusting in the Lord in all things. All right, let me take a little
0: break. When we come back, we'll have one more segment with the ladies. And if you have any more uh, questions or issues you'd like us to tackle, let us know. 877-933-2484. It's a text message only. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. The amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable are in studio. We're kind of on expectations right now and the trouble that produces. And where does expectations come from, from a biblical understanding? Anybody want to jump on that?
2: Sure. I, you know, I, I think we talk about expectations and behavior and human expectations. Yes. But I do think that the expectation in a marriage, especially, that you would be true to each other. That, um, that you would keep God as your center, are expectations that don't need to be spoken all the time, I mean you you don't need to say, I'm sorry, um, I didn't tell you that you shouldn't have an affair that that would really hurt my feelings, you know, so there are biblical expectations where God asks us to be the our best selves in the ways of the Lord and mm-hmm. bring glory to him through our love and marriage, and I think that those still need to be fleshed out because what does that mean besides the basics, sure. But, you know, um, there's a lot of painful marriage where um, addiction has come in, whether it be um, drugs or alcohol, pornography, Facebook, social media, exercise, food. I mean, there's so many different football, Mm -hmm. sports, girlfriends, you know, talking too much. Um, So there could be a lot of places where you've left the marriage and hurt has taken place
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that are not in the ways of God. Well said. Wow, thank
0: you. No, that was well said.
2: <laughs> okay, well, where are we going to go with well, it? Well, no, I mean, there's,
0: there are uh, obviously lots of pain in relationships yeah, because expectations are not being met. And if we're following uh, the biblical guidelines for purity and respect and love and treating your spouse with you know, the way that God would want us to, that you're going to have a pretty darn good life.
2: Mm-hmm. I love the word honor because I think that that goes to both men and women. Mm-hmm. When we honor each other in the ways of the Lord, there's a natural behavior that comes through that. You are putting them above yourself. You are checking in with them. It's just its just such a beautiful word to honor your spouse.
5: I think honor and humility go hand in hand too. Mm-hmm. I, I think in it's order H to... Squared. Yeah, H squared. Oh, listen to you. Wow. Um h squared uh humility though to me is is part of honor and and where I know that I've had uh, problems with expectations that you know somebody said um seeds of resentment, but um from my perspective, you know I also want to be hopeful you know expectations are are born of hope and and we hope in the lord um and again just coming i somehow that humility for me has gotten in the way. Sometimes when I know that people have had expectations for me or I've let somebody down, um, I need to demonstrate honor by first being humble. And and that to me is also biblical.
0: I know this happens to all of us. You come across a passage in Scripture and you get super excited about it like you're just reading it for the first time, and maybe you are, <laughs> but you're... you're God has made it alive in your heart, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think of this verse, Psalm 105, verse four, it says, keep your eyes open for God, watch for his works, be alert for signs of his presence. Mm. What does that do to you?
1: I'm excited. You're joining me in my excitement. I am too. Well, and it's it's so active. Mm
6: -hmm.
1: It's realizing that, God isn't he's very present and he's put these things in place long before I came around and long long after by his grace that all we have to do is watch and see his wonders and that we get to actually be a part of and participate in that
3: that's amazing. And mm-hmm. I love wonders and I have been so blessed to be able to see I see it every day now in in my my old life in working in the for profit I didn't see it every day or right? I maybe saw some of it, but wasn't looking. And now I see it every single day I go into work and it makes work just amazing.
6: Mm
5: -hmm. Just the grace that you see, the transformation, the miracles. the
3: wonders. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. see every day just um, our clients changing and growing and um, the love and the joy that was gone is back on their face. And it's just the most amazing
2: thing. Mm -hmm. I love it because it makes me think of, you know the Lord has so many different images that He had, that He allows us to relate to Him as Father, um, mentor, friend, King. You know, Savior. There's just so many different ways. And when I think of that scripture, I think of a daddy, like so excited to show his child something and so excited to bless them mm-hmm. that it makes me excited, like a little kid, like just you know, Christmas morning excited, like I got to wake up today and the Lord is going to show me something and reveal something about himself to me in a new and exciting way. And it just
5: brings out curiosity and love and joy, you know, to your point, it makes me excited. Yeah. Contentment is the word that comes to mind. It's mm-hmm. the word you used before too. And wherever we are, uh, whatever our circumstances, God has placed us there for a reason and for a purpose and a plan. And And if we can, learn from that moment and be present in it and be joyful in it, um, that that is the greatest blessing. That's a huge gift. Mm
0: -hmm. Has God used one of your failures uh, to shape you and refine you in a way that's crystal clear to you today? I'm not asking you to talk about your failure. I'm just talking about how God dealt with you in the midst of it.
2: Absolutely, for That's sure, definitely. for me, and and especially through the um, arena of motherhood. Okay, I think that, um, and I don't mind sharing my failures because as long as I've told my boys about them, <laughs> the rest of the world can know too. Um, I just I thought when I first started parenting that I could do it right, that I could you know cross my t's and dot my eyes, and my children would be safe, and that they, everything would go well, and they would be obedient. And in that, um, the Lord had to really teach me about my own sufficiency and my own self-righteousness and that. And because he was able to teach me, because I he was so kind and had mercy, I look at parenting so different and, oh my goodness, so much more richer mm. now that I can say, I really don't have that answer. What are you thinking? And the exploration of who my kids are and who other people's kids are is such a beautiful walk. Mm-hmm. As now that I am not trying to control it, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's he did he taught me um so mercifully that I, there's an end to me, but there's no end to him mm-hmm. and it was a it was
5: a beautiful lesson it was a hard lesson,
2: but it was a beautiful lesson
5: yeah yeah i I agree I think you know i don't want to share my whole story, but the I think um relying too much on the riches of this world um has been uh of something I've been guilty of and and God kind of taking things away until he was uh, the center and I could see it and I needed that and I didn't need anything else. I, I'm just I'm grateful for that. It was a painful lesson at the time, but one that I look back at and I'm just so thankful because um, he is the center of my life and um, that's all that matters.
0: Mm-hmm. We just have a couple of minutes left and I'm thinking about kids going back to school and, and that's so fun to see the, the students back here on campus here at the University of Northwestern always kind of brings back fond memories. Do any of you have a teacher from your school days, whether it be high school, college, grade school, that really stuck with you?
3: Oh, I think I have a couple, actually. But um, I had an English teacher that um, really encouraged me to write. I wrote journals and stuff when I was young, and um, he was always very encouraging, and it was... I don't think the writing was that good, <laughs> at least, and I know it wasn't that good, but, you know, because I was in fifth grade and then sixth grade, ninth grade, whatever. And, uh, but he always said it doesn't matter if it's good. All that matters is if it comes from your heart, and so
1: that has always stayed with me.
2: That's great. It's beautiful.
1: I was homeschooled, so my mom sticks <laughs> with me. Oh, wow.
2: I would, yeah, there you Wow. Go. <laughs> Well, she did a great job. mm -hmm.
1: She deserves a lot of props because she's always taught me. I mean, she taught me a lot, obviously, about, um, you know, we were raised in the Word and to always go to God with your problems before you go to anybody else. Um, Taught me to love reading, which is something that I carry with me to this day. And just that um, no matter how badly you think you messed up today— There is, by God's grace, new mercy tomorrow. So it's every. she used to say that, and we had a little plaque on the door that said, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. And the acknowledgement is that through Christ, he is growing up into becoming more and more of who he is. Um, So I don't know. When I get stuck in issues and tragedies and just wound around the axle a little bit, I keep going back to some of those things that I learned when I was very young. So they stick with you.
5: I think teachers um, touch people in ways that they have no idea either, and I have um, I had the privilege of being an adjunct faculty last year at a local college, and um, I had people come up to me at the end of the school year and thank me for things, and I, I had no idea that I had made an impact on them, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm thinking about when you ask the question, Bill, is those people who had that kind of impact on me, and I wish I could go back and and thank them for for really um changing it, um mm-hmm. being being really a driver in my life and they mm-hmm. don't even know it
0: yeah and i just want to say to the listeners that i i referenced psalm 105 verse 4 and every once in a while i love to open and see what the message says because it throws you kind of a little bit of a curveball and that did come from the message mm-hmm. and it, it just sparked some great thinking mm-hmm. um just to always be aware, keep your eyes open for God. Watch for His works and be alert for signs of His presence. Um, it's just a—it's a great reminder for me to to know that God is at work in my life and in my day and in every hour that I'm out and about. So, and I need to keep my eyes peeled out for what God is doing and what what He might have me do. That wraps up our show. Thanks uh, to all the ladies for coming in. I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Bill.
5: It's awesome fun. to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for. Uh, Listening and supporting Faith Radio. It's been a great day, and I look forward to our time again tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.